and welcome to The Kurt Locker, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss the films of Kurt Russell. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-host. Every time she starts studying that lawyer course, she starts putting roots down again. Whitney Nelson. (laughs) That's me. I forgot between the last time we recorded and this time we're recording how good the theme song is. It's so good. It's like it's so it good. It sets and the mood, you know? I'm not trying to talk about it literally every episode we record cuz so far we have, but also it's really good. I mean, I licensed it, but I think I'll reach out I, 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 in the next one. I will find out the name of the artist and stuff like that so everybody we could share the love. Yeah, I, we I don't should know if, share the love. I don't know if I told you this. It's actually the same exact guy who did the Cool Breeze theme song. Oh, we definitely should shout them out then. Yeah. And when I was choosing for this one, I was actually unaware that it was the same person. It was only after the fact when I was like, you, you download it and the license has like artist name. And it was like, that sounds familiar. And I like used, I pulled up Spotlight on my computer and I searched it. And sure enough, it like, the Cool Breeze. I was like, oh my God, this guy's the best. <laughs> so I'll, the I'll shout best. that out. <laughs> Yep. So we are here. We have this. We have this. We're firmly in the early years of Kurt Russell still. Very early. I feel like a lot of the people from from our previous podcasts have come over, but we're still trying to figure this Kurt Russell guy out. It doesn't help that he's mm-hmm. only like 13 years old in these. Right. You can't it really like you can't really lust over him like you like some people might have been able to lust over Keanu right out of the I gate. I hope not. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm saying literally you can't. That would be that would not be good. You should not do that. Do not condone. Let's get right into let's get right into this. I don't know how long this episode is going to be today, Whitney. I don't know how many thoughts and feelings you have about this film. I don't either. We'll see what we'll see what's unleashed when we get there. Okay, I have some notes. It, it could it's, be very little. It could be very much. I yeah. don't know. Okay, yeah, around ninety minutes. I thought it, into this film, which is like over two hours long. I was like, maybe I should start taking some notes because shit goes. A lot starts happening that you would not have anticipated to happen. Yeah, we'll talk about it when we get there, but there's this was not the movie that I expected but at the same time it was a hundred percent the movie that I expected so but I will say that 45 minutes in Jamie said is the movie over because it seemed like it had reached sort of a natural conclusion and I was like we're not even halfway through the movie yet my dear yeah it hasn't even reached it, it, not even literally it's, not it's at the 50 yeah. percent mark <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Let's knock out this early stuff so we can get right to it. As always, I want to mention you can find the website at 12and24.com. That's the numerals 12and24.com. It's in the show notes. So you can just click on that. It'll take you right there. You can email us, kurtlockerpod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at kurtlockerpod. You can also join us on our Discord server, and that it's impossible to actually link to a Discord. I've fuck this up every time so it's just 12 and 24.com slash discord that'll take you there come hang out this is where we're recording the show on discord this is where we talk this is where the hosts yes mingle. we we have had very little conversation so far but we're getting into it some has happened we're getting people in there so 
come hang out. Yeah, it'll be great. I, and I wanted to get that up at the top of the show because I always mention at the end and I'm like, people have probably already tuned out. They know where to find us. They know what to look for. So here it is mm-hmm. up at the top. Our Discord. Join us at the Discord. We'll it's great. share memes about Kurt Russell and stuff. Yeah, it'll be awesome. It'll be great. And then finally, if you want to support us with just a moment of your time, share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes. It brings more folks into the fray. Like I said, a couple weeks ago, we had like a surge of about 100 people. I'm assuming those were people that had just finished our uh, previous podcast and wanted more. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, just keep that going. Welcome, if you are coming from Cool Breeze Over the Mountains. Hello. A, a Keanu Reeves podcast. We love you and are happy to see you. Perfect. It's great. It's great. Whitney, if you don't mind, I'll run the synopsis here. Please be my guest. Okay. So today we are talking about the film Follow Me, Boys. And I incorrectly guessed that this last on our last episode that this was a movie about music. I I wouldn't even call it tangentially related to music. It has... The, Almost nothing is about music. Yeah, there is a scene of a, 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 a horn being played in the beginning, and towards the end, a horn is also played. And that is the extent <laughs> that this movie is about music. <laughs> what it is about, the plot synopsis from IMDb, is Lem Siddons, that's L-E-M, short for mm-hmm. Lemuel, is part of a traveling band who has a dream of becoming a lawyer. Deciding to settle down, he finds a job as a stock boy in the general store of a small town. Trying to fit in, he volunteers to become scoutmaster of the newly formed Troop 1. Becoming more and more involved with the scout troop, he finds his plans to become a lawyer being put on the back burner until he realizes that his life has been fulfilled helping the youth of the small town. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, that is what happens. More or less. Less, I would say. <laughs> but hey, oh, well, let's. Uh, the movie was written by Louis uh, Pelletier, Pelletier. Pelletier? Yeah, let's go with Pelletier. And directed by Norman Tokar. Back from this time, Norman Tokar apparently directed every single episode of Leave It to Beaver. So there's your, okay. there's your reference point for what this guy has done. Sure, yeah. Uh, leave it to Beaver. And this movie. Well, I mean, he's done quite a bit, but as far as I knew, I was like, I was going through his, because I like to look at the directors, see what they're up to. And I was like, oh, leave it to Beaver. There's my reference point and nothing else. So that's what I got. Mm-hmm. Co-starring alongside Kurt are Fred McMurray, Vera Miles, Lillian Gish, Charles Ruggles, Elliot Reed, and according to the opening credits, <laughs> the town of Hickory, which had a population of in the four thousand area. I don't. I guess that was the end of the movie when the the town. They were like, "Hey, everyone, just come outside for a second. It'll be great." Well, no, it's about the town of Hickory. That's the town that he stops it. Is that a real? And but is like, that a real place, or is that was that just like a tongue in cheek? This is just small town USA. Is that like? So this whole movie read like a memoir. Yeah. And it is a novel. But it does not appear to be a memoir. It appears to be a fictionalization. I don't know if the town of Hickory is real. Mm. Okay. Okay. It doesn't... It plays the smallest of roles anyway. But Whitney, I would love to hear what the critics and audiences have to say about this film. Okay. So full disclosure, traditionally, 
Andrew compiles a lot of this information and I just show up and read it. I want to say on Rotten Tomatoes, we have no critical score and a 77% audience score. Andrew has included a quote from a user on Rotten Tomatoes, but I have a quote (gasps) from a critic that I would like to read. Yes. Okay. I'm excited. So, Bosley Crowther of the New York Times. That's a great name. Set up this movie. Yeah. It is such a clutter of sentimental blubberings about the brotherhood of the Boy Scouts and indiscriminate ladling of cornball folksy comedy that it taxes the loyalty and patience of even a one-time ardent member of the Beaver Patrol. What is most painful and embarrassing is the picture this film gives of the American small town as a haven for television-type comedians having themselves a fine time with a routine of rancid cliches. Oof. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what Bosley Crowther of the New York Times had to say. Now we have, we do have the user review still. Uh, user Dude 20 on IMDb gave it seven out of 10 stars and said, Follow Me Boys is a wonderful film that deals with the life of Lem, played by Fred McMurray, and his tenureship as a scoutmaster in a small Midwestern town. As a scout myself, I feel a sense of loss when I watch this film. It shows a community that supports the youth and wish to see them grow into mature people. Too bad it isn't that way anymore. Womp womp. If you go on to the IMDb review, because there are zero reviews of this movie, critical or mm-hmm. otherwise, on Rotten Tomatoes. However, okay. IMDb mm-hmm. being a bit more, I guess, mainstream it, it, to the populace, right? Sure. Take a moment. I mean, don't just listen to what I'm going to say. But if you were, if you were in the <laughs> in the mood to, the reviews for this film on IMDb. I read every one of them because I was I was enthralled by the consistency. Every <laughs> one of them is a seven or higher on this movie, right? Okay. And every single one of them is a lamentation about how America isn't like this anymore. Or too bad mm-hmm. Disney doesn't make movies like this anymore. Or it's a mm-hmm. shame our youth doesn't care about this anymore. And I was like, mm-hmm. I read two and they both had like the exact same phrase. And then I was like, huh. And I just like did a find on the page for like youth. <laughs> it was like 18 <laughs> results. And I was like, oh my God, I got to read them all, I guess. And it was, it was something. It was something. All, all, all sound like dude 20 here. So I think everybody concerned is correct. Uh huh. I think that Bosley of the New York Times is correct in that it's schlocky and cornball. I think that it's a shame that Disney doesn't make movies like this anymore because as a diehard Disney fan, never having seen this particular movie, but being a diehard old 60s and 70s Disney film fan, this was very nostalgic, even though I'd never seen it before. Mm -hmm. And it is a shame that they don't make movies like this anymore, but it is not America that ever existed. This is not real life. It is schlocky and sentimental and uh, a picture of small town America that is Norman Rockwell-esque, but didn't ever really exist. Mm -hmm. So 
I think everyone's right. I think that there's a... I enjoyed this movie. It goes to bonkers places and is literally an hour too long. Correct. But I also... First of all, I love Fred McMurray. Again, this comes from being a diehard Disney fan and watching all those old Disney movies. He is a staple in that genre as an actor. He's kind of like the king of the old family Disney movie genre. Yeah. Um, and he was charming as ever in this. And, you know, the, the children were charming and Kurt Russell was very good. It's crazy Um, how good he was, right? He brings a lot of gravitas for a very young child. This is not ever, though, no Disney movie is ever a depiction of real life. And so everyone who's saying, like, life used to be like this, no, it didn't. No, it was never this. That was my my sticking point with it, because I was like, you're longing for something that, that, like... You're longing for your memory of a movie that was like that. It's not the, It's not how that was. You probably saw another movie like this. Disneyland's Main Street in both Disneyland and Disney, Disney World is like trying to portray this same small town charm that doesn't exist anymore with yeah. barbershop quartets and homemade ice cream and whatever. But like none of that is how it really is. There's one person of color in this movie, and I'm pretty sure he's played by a Mexican as a child and a Filipino as an adult. Right. Yes, I know who you're referring to. One of the scouts. Yeah. One of the one of the original scouts is a person of color, but he is not played by the same people of color as a boy and as an adult. Yeah. They're like, let's just get the skin tone to match if we can. He's, and... he's dark. Throw him in there. Sounds about right. You know, the drunk is a charming Irish guy who just wants to do right by his kid while still being a drunk. And there's no abuse and no Kurt Russell not having dinner because his dad is too drunk to get and or make it or anything like that. It's a very shiny, rosy picture of an alcoholic father. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just a shiny, rosy picture of everything. Uh, again, he, Fred McMurray has a very weird charm about him. I don't know why I think he's charming because he's kind of bumbling. He's very Hugh Grant-like. He's like an American Hugh Grant in like the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah, he's got an easy smile. There is a certain handsomeness to him. Yeah, and it's an approachable handsomeness. Correct. He's not arresting. It's like, oh. This woman in no uncertain terms tells him to buzz off and he does not take no for an answer, which is always viewed as charming uh, in films and is always just harassment. In real life, yeah. Yeah, like if someone says no, uh, no. Find someone else to hit on. Don't please don't grab her arm as she walks away. Don't that makes me uncomfortable. Don't you know, you would have to intervene if you saw this happening. Don't do that. Don't. You know, and and there's just so much of like, I don't know, black kids in the next town over getting beat up by all of these boys who look so charming and are helpful scouts or queer people who are closeted for their whole lives because otherwise they'd be, you know, hung in the woods outside of town or whatever. Like, there's just so much. Life was never this simple and it was never this charming. It is a simple and charming movie, although it gets complicated in plot. It covers basically 
most of the whole life of a man. And all of the weird things that happen to a person in their life. And I mean, I just want to read some of my notes to, that I was messaging to Andrew <laughs> as I was watching it. It was great. I was laughing because I had already seen it. I said, hey, this movie is crazy. And then he said, yeah, take some turns. And then I said, I've now made it to the capture the tank part of the movie. Not a thing that I ever expected to say about a movie about Boy Scouts. Right. And then I said, and now I'm at the land dispute part of the movie. (laughs) The I'm barren part of the movie seems like it happened three movies ago. And then I said, it goes so many places you wouldn't expect for a movie about Boy Scouts. Now World War II is over. It's tough. It's tough. Uh, And then so I said, this is after the courtroom drama part where the shopkeeper dies. Wait, now he's taking speed to keep up with the scouts. And that's literally only one line, but I really grabbed onto that one line. (laughs) And and everyone's like, we all noticed. We all noticed that you were doing it. Your pep pills. His his son (laughs) slash doctor is like, we know you've been taking all these pep pills to keep up with the scouts and I'm like all of you I mean yes this is early enough that pet pills were a thing even speed was charming they were amphetamines this guy was taking speed to keep up with the scouts and everyone's just like you can't do that anymore your heart's bad not hey you have a drug problem and that's it he just stopped taking amphetamines because it's that easy you're just well I kicked it you know I don't need it no he eats bread and milk and doesn't need speed anymore. Literally, he eats milk toast. And he's better. And it's just pieces of toast in a bowl of milk. I was wondering what that was. I thought it might have been shit on a shingle, but it, it was... No, it so was... in some places, it is shit on a shingle. Milk toast is like a white gravy on toast. Yeah. In this particular scene... It was literally... It was a bowl of milk with some toast points in it. I was so, like... I'm still... At that point in the movie, I'm still reeling from, like, revelations that happened what felt like two movies ago. St- like, what, like what you had said, where I'm like, wait a minute. So how did they wander into, like, a, a war game? Like, what, what the fuck? Like, what is happening? They wander into war training. They wander into capturing a tank in the war trading they wander there's the old lady her sons died in world war one and we find that out all of a sudden when her nephew is like she's not sane enough to be her like executor of her own estate so they go to court and then fred mcmurray is like i'm gonna use my always wanting to be a lawyer but never having been a lawyer and pretend to be a lawyer for this old lady whose family is trying to create a tax shelter and trying to get her out of the way and it's like wait this is a movie about fred mcmurray and the boy scouts why are we talking about this old lady's nephew wanting to create a tax shelter yeah it's a courtroom drama now it's better call saul it's uh, (laughs) you know it's the whole the wife's whole i'm barren thing while it's a thing that happens, of and I'm course. sure it happened in the book, it was in no way pivotal to any of the story. Like, it had nothing to do with anything. 
it didn't even need to be there to set up adopting Kurt Russell later. No. When his alcoholic dad dies. We don't need to know that you are disappointed that you can't have children. Because it's clear enough from him being the troop leader for all of these boys that he likes kids. Right. And he would be a family man. And so, like, you don't ever need to address it. It's just natural that if they don't have kids and Kurt Russell is suddenly fatherless, that it's like, yeah, let's take him in. We don't need a whole scene about her and the doctor and tests and she can't have kids. And that's the thing, really. There are these moments of conflict that happen in the movie, but then they are, like, resolved. Well, it's because we have to cover, like, 40 years in two hours. And so we're just... The people making this movie read a whole novel and they were like, okay, we have to hit every beat in the novel without worrying about how it tells a story. Correct, yeah. It's... That is... It's a pacing problem. So it's the, like... We have to get these things... We have to get the kid, Kurt Russell taking the troop out and getting one of the newbies like lost over a cliff and then rescuing him. That has to be in there because it was in the book. But like Kurt Russell almost running away and Fred McMurray being like, hey, we like having you around. Don't go. I'm going to quit as troop leader because of the scandal. And then Kurt Russell being like, no, you can't quit being troop leader because of the scandal. You just take gave me the same lecture. All of that is fine storytelling on its own but does it not a single bit of that makes a difference in the plot of the movie we don't need 20 minutes of it in a two-hour movie they spent too much time trying to establish how charming and delightful lem is and i don't Mm -hmm. think we need it like as soon as you look at the guy you're like well he's the star he is a movie star he has the quality. And he's charming and delightful. Right. And it's like, I got it. Like, you, that, we could have shortened this down. What an affable down. guy. Right. We could have gotten affable in five minutes, not an hour. We basically did get affable in about five minutes. And we got mm-hmm. his his mode of thinking also. It's like, you know, he mentions, oh, as soon as I find a the first person to offer me a job. And then he sees, he's, there's a, and he's like, I'll take it. A he's like, wanted sign. And he's gl- like, yeah, done. I'm in. I'm off the bus. And I live here now. <laughs> Right, which is crazy, but okay. I mean, I get it. As someone who kind of picked up and moved to nowhere for no reason. Sure. I I get the like, there's a pretty girl here. This seems like as nice a town as any. I'm going to stop right here. Makes sense to me. But that could be just a personality thing. Sure. Because... It's a it's the wanderlust thing, you know? Yeah. That Hey, that checks out. No judgments. It's just, okay. But yeah, right up top, we know who this guy is. Mm-hmm. And that he's good with kids. Within the first, the first time he sings the song, the titular song "Follow Me, Boys," it's like, got mm-hmm. it. Dude's good with kids. He's very charming. It's all in service of. We knew he was good with kids when he was trying to get the kids away from terrorizing the townsfolk, and he was like, "Go buy some candy." Yeah, some licorice whips. <laughs> love it. I love it. I miss licorice whips. I was never alive for the licorice whip era, but. You see, you're nostalgic for all, a thing you never experienced. All, no, I 100%. It was all laces by the time I was born. Right. It's like, what's this bullshit laces? It's too skinny. I don't want to tie my shoes with these. I'd much rather hit somebody with them. <laughs> Whitney, I want to ask. Yeah. Lem. 
he gets off yeah. he gets off the bus okay yeah he does <laughs> he, he gets off the bus mm-hmm. I have to ask you this was the biggest suspension of disbelief for me how old of a character do you believe he was playing in this movie oh. the guy who gets off the bus how 100%. old is he the guy who gets off the bus in theory is 25. I literally wrote that down in my notes because I, I was like, they, he's been, it's, he's it's like a collegiate band. Yeah. It, and he's talking about, we're not so collegiate anymore. Right. And every single person on that bus is like 40 years old or older. That's exactly what I was thinking. And I was like, and, and he had mentioned I was in the war. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. World War One. So I was One. like, okay, he is over 18, at least when he was drafted into the war. For sure. And for then sure. for the, whatever the duration of the war was, and now he is here traveling with these guys playing saxophone. Mm-hmm. Yep. And maybe twice in the movie, he gets referred to as young man. And I was like, are you yes. fucking kidding me with that? Like, it's like... As like a whippersnapper, like yes. when the shopkeeper is later on on the shopkeeper's birthday, he's talking about when he came in all full of vinegar and right. youth and whatever. And it's like, or he was the same age he is right now. No, 100%. They asked you to imagine Fred McMurray, who is clearly in his 40s. In this movie. As a like 25 year old and then he catches up to and then surpasses that age and never really looks any different than the age he looks the very first yeah. time you see him. They gray his hair. That's about the Literally extent they gray of it. his hair. That's it. There's no makeup that happens other than graying his hair. And we're expect to believe that this movie covers covers like 40 years of his life. Which was the other problem that I, I had here. Hold on. I just I needed to I needed to check this. He was born Fred McMurray, whose mm-hmm. Wikipedia photo is dashing. I highly recommend it. However, he was born in 1908. So uh, mm-hmm. some quick math here puts him at 58 years old when this movie was filmed. And they're going around yes. calling him young man. <laughs> so Yeah. And they're like, please believe that he is 25. And I'm like, I don't. But OK. Sure. <laughs> Right, I guess people, you know, war it, it ages you up. I get, I don't know. I, I've never experienced it, but that was the hardest thing to come to terms with for me for this movie. But once I did, once there was like a time jump, and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. about ninety minutes into the movie, I was like, all right, I, you know, it wasn't a huge thing up until you know. At some point, I forgot about it, but I was like, man. That is a that's a weird one for me. Just for anyone who is uh, familiar with Fred McMurray, this is after Flubber or this and the son of Flubber. Yeah, this is a, or the absent-minded professor and son of Flubber. This is after the Shaggy Dog movie. Like mm-hmm. any movie that you know him from happened before this movie. All of this happened in the late 50s, early 60s, and Follow Me Boys was 66. The only thing that you might know of him is 67 and The Happiest Millionaire, but in which case he plays basically like a retired wealthy millionaire. And so it's like, there's one year between shooting this where he's called Young Man and getting off a collegiate band, and when he's like a retired millionaire who's just trying to get his children settled. 
I have to call out something also that's just very weird. Okay. The name Lemuel. Okay. Lemuel. Uh huh. I've this has so up until five months ago, I have I'd never even heard this name, and now within the past five months, I've watched two things where a main character was named Wasn't Lemuel. Wasn't there a serial killer whose name was Lemuel? Maybe. I don't I don't keep up with that kind of stuff either. I'm very bad at the <laughs> beyond like beyond the greatest hits, you know. I don't <laughs> I don't know too many serial killers. So but what an interesting name. I, I just had to call that out. It's bib it's it's, it's biblical, it's right? It's biblical. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's that's Hebrew. some old testament stuff, right? Like that's mm-hmm. some old yeah. That's pretty cool. My only my only big things compile literally onto what you said where there was too much of one thing and not enough of another. Every time that Jamie walked into a room, he was like, This feels like a different movie than the when I walked out literally forty five seconds ago. I enjoyed the movie. And while yeah. it was definitely too long and there were parts where I was like, how much more is left? And we were only 45 minutes into the movie because it felt like the plot had already resolved. Yes. It didn't. It wasn't necessarily poor pacing as much as it was jumps in time that were not led into we just they were just stitched together. It was like screenshot from one year and then four years later, here's another screenshot. And we don't tell you that time is transpiring at all. It just cuts from one scene into the next. Well, that's yeah, that's exactly there is. We could talk about it. There's the 90 minute at, at a roughly the 90 minute mark. It jumps. Was it 20 years into the future? Yeah. From where they were. And I didn't hate the way they did it. I kind of like the showing him marching troop after troop of Boy Scouts through the woods. And like, that's how he spent the last 15, 20 years. But also it's like, we're really getting nothing that happens in the last 15 to 20 years. And the the fact of the matter is you're not because we're following a person's life from a fictional novel and we're not following a plot. Like none of this was, all of this tells a believable story of a human being. None of this makes a movie, and I don't know where they thought they were getting a movie out of it. That's it, right? Where things that I thought might be a bigger deal weren't. Like, we see him and uh, the, what, what was the, the love interest's name? Lee, 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 Lita? No. Vita. Lee, Vita. Um, Vita. It's like one scene they are kissing. And then the next scene, they are getting married. <laughs> Honeymoon, yeah. Like, I'm like, I, 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 maybe a little bit of the courtship. It doesn't matter, I guess. And- no, it doesn't matter because what all that matters is not the arc of the story, but telling, hitting all the beats I guess, that happen yeah. in the book. And that's really what it comes down to. Is it is it watches like a movie who's just trying to hit every plot point in a book, which is why we can skip 15 years of his kid growing up that he adopts from the alcoholic dead father. We literally go from him adopting the kid and a few months later, he's head of the troop and leading this thing. And then this thing happens and now there's gossip and he's going to resign as scout leader. And then all of a sudden his son's away at war and like a professional doctor. 
you're telling me no hijinks happened in parenting the son of an alcoholic for those 15, 20 years. We don't have time to talk about that. We don't need to know about any of that. Yeah. We're just going to jump straight to his kid already being away at war. If you're, yeah. If you're a person who is cool with that, right? Like the most jarring things for me were like the, the bombshells that were solved five minutes later. Like I'm barren. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, look, we already have 15 kids. And he gestures widely to the. And then you move on. Yeah. And then like Kurt Russell's, alcoholic father dies in front of him and that night they're like well we'd love to adopt you and he's like great and, and i mean with a little resistance but essentially that night he's like i guess i live here now <laughs> like i'm mm -hmm. like okay i guess and then we skipped like a couple years from then when the kid is completely turned around his whole life and his whole tough guy thing because of his alcoholic father and is the leader of the troop it's because the boy scouts they did it the discipline Boy Scouts and Fred McMurray and Fred shaped this kid up and we don't need to know what happens in those couple of years of clearly painful time of a kid getting over the death of his father and adjusting to a whole new family. None of that's important. So if you can get around the leap from plot point to plot point, like it, it never, it always tracks chronologically speaking. It never tracks emotionally speaking. If you can get beyond that part, it's a charming Disney family film, and I enjoyed it just as much as I enjoy all the other charming Disney family films. Um, like, I genuinely enjoyed watching it, and while it felt long because of all of the plot jumps, it never felt long because it was boring or dragging. You, right. I, I will say, to this movie's credit, I was surprisingly moved at the end. Mm -hmm. With the parade mm -hmm. and all that stuff. I was like, wow, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a, a guy, again, this whether this is based off of a person or just a fictional character, it's probably more fleshed out in the novel or whatever. But like the portrait of a life that was dedicated to serving, being of service, that sort of thing. I, I was like, wow, OK, OK. Did not expect mm -hmm. it to be like, wow, this is great. Like. Pleasantly surprised by the mm -hmm. by by how it all wrapped up. So I, I have to give it that. Despite the roller coaster that came before it, it all kind of did land for me at the end. Yeah. And like we said already, Kurt Russell, as a like 13-year-old boy, is a linchpin of this movie working. Even though he's not in it, like statistically, for very long, he is there he's got the pathos and he's got the depth and he grounds this movie in every scene that he's in and does a really truly an exceptional job and it makes sense to me now why walt disney died with a paper that said kurt russell in his hand <laughs> he was like i gotta write down my favorite actor before i go <laughs> kurt russell well, i could i could uh. see so dis this was the last thing that disney produced before he died and I could see being the producer on this film and making so much family entertainment like Disney did and seeing this kid who can carry that much weight of like adult dialogue and depth of emotion and he can carry it all and not make it feel like a kid's performance. Yeah. I 100% see Walt Disney being like, this kid, we got to get him in more. We got to, you know, he's a catch. He is a talent. And we got to get him in more Disney movies. I 100% now understand after watching this why 
he died at his desk with Kurt Russell's name in his, like, on scratch paper in his hand. I don't think it's some sort of, like, Illuminati code or anything. I think it's really just, like, he is a producer and the owner of this company, and he's like, we need more of this. Because Kurt Russell does a phenomenal job. Yeah. Your sister suggested that's maybe who murdered him, but you don't, you're, you're not buying that, is what... Uh, no, I okay. don't believe that Kurt Russell murdered Walt Disney. Okay, all right. I will go on record and say I do not believe that Kurt Russell murdered Walt Disney right. as a 13-year-old. Well, you just, yeah, you just did go on the record, so great. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. It's out there for posterity. What did you think of the guy that they cast to be old Kurt Russell? How, how, what were you thinking there? It was knowing what Kurt Russell looked like yeah. when he was the age he was supposed to be in this movie. I It was not a good fit, necessarily. It was pretty jarring when I first saw him, and I was like, that looks nothing like Kurt Russell. Yeah. But then the more you looked at it from the eye of a casting director for a family Disney movie in the six, late 60s, I'm like, well, I can see where they were coming from. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's just... Not what Kurt Russell looked like at all grown up. Yeah. Because he looks like he looks as a child. That's, yeah. Really. That's all I was thinking. I was like, man, I wish they could have got someone that looked a little bit more like Kurt Russell for this <laughs> for this older <laughs> Kurt Russell character. But ah, who who is to say children change, but not Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell did not change at all. He's just a smaller version of Kurt Russell. And this is the same thing that I had to say last time. His mannerisms and his gestures and his posture and the way he like sits down yeah. is the same. Kurt it's Russell crazy. has been Kurt Russell since he was a wee tiny babe. You know, like how some actors and I, I'm failing to come up with one off the top of my head here, but they just play the person that they really are anyway. So you're like, it's not really acting. Mm-hmm. We're just paying you to be yourself. It's mm-hmm. like that with Kurt Brad Russell. Pitt. Brad Pitt, of course. Yes. We're paying you for a little bit of the smolder and just kind of be like blank, kind of be a little blank. Just be Brad Pitt. Right. Just Brad it up. In this. Yeah. Brad it up. The difference with Kurt is that all the things that go into acting were locked in clearly Mm -hmm. at this age. Mm -hmm. And he's he was able to take that and go in a hundred different goddamn directions with it, which is great. Yep. And. Not yep. something you've, I don't think I've ever seen before, honestly. I would have to really think. Well, they have so many examples of child actors, but so few examples of child actors who make it to adult stardom. I think it's like Kurt Russell and Drew Barrymore are kind of it, who have like prolific careers as children, but also as adults. Interesting. Where you can watch them sort of grow up and change, or in the Kurt Russell just grow up. In the case of him, yeah, just like, fill he does out. not change. He just <laughs> grows up. But there's very few people out there where you can see the like mannerisms and habits that are the same, but the like skill of acting and like what he brings to it and being in the character and everything. It's really fascinating. And I honestly have to say, while I don't necessarily think anyone should seek out Guns of Diablo mm-hmm. or Follow Me Boys. I'm really glad that we watch them because I think it gives me a whole different perspective on Kurt Russell in like Escape from New York and stuff like that. Yeah, you could see seeing him so young really does change how I feel about him as an actor. 
Yeah, there were a couple times in this movie where he yelled, like he was yelling back to somebody, like out of like anger or sadness or something like that. And you're like, damn. He yelled just like that in the hateful eight. <laughs> or like I'm like, that is the <laughs> yes. exact face he made. It's it's I was like and and not in a way that he's like necessarily again, and not even to suggest this, it's not like he's mimicking his own it's just like he brought the talent of a much older actor in mm-hmm. into these roles that you I just wholly unexpected, really. So yes. really interesting to see. I will say the only the only critique I have of him as a child actor is there sometimes where he uses speed to make up for uncertainty. And I don't know if that's uncertainty in his lines or in the action or whatever, but there are times where he rushes through things that he would not normally rush through as an actual child in those circumstances. And you could feel him sort of rushing through the lines. But I think that was to keep the intensity that he had in the other quieter parts. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah. That 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 tracks. There are some times where I was like, Kurt, slow down. It's it's all about you here, buddy. You're you're doing yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. But I really think that was just because of being a child and wanting to keep a certain level of intensity going. Sure. Wow. You know, I, I honestly, we had more to say about this movie than I thought we would. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be a little bit more middling, to be honest, but turns out we both kind of liked it, I think. I did. I mean, here's the thing. I enjoyed watching the movie. I don't think it was very well made. Right. As a adaptation, it's poor. In spite of its flaws. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I think that, like, everyone on the story end of things should have been fired. Everyone after that part, as far as, like, direction and acting and whatever, it was fun. It was charming. Kurt Russell did great things. Fred was Fred, who is always charming. Like, I was into it. I didn't love it. It's not going to go on, like, my list of must-sees. But it was pretty good. It was better than I thought it was going to be. All right. Uh, well, I got to be honest. I'm excited to see where you rank it in our Kurt Russell movie rankings. <laughs> well, we only have two movies to rank, so. <laughs> I know. it could go. It's a 50-50 shot. It could go either place. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It could go either way. I have a feeling. Well, before we get into that. Oh, man. We have a sponsor. We do. Whitney, I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm going to be honest with everyone listening because I believe in transparency here. The last ad read, I did that after the show. Whitney wasn't there. That's why that's why there was no interaction. I was like, Whitney, I don't want to waste your I mean, time. You can tell I'm you can tell when I'm not there. Right. It, it's just, uh, I usually have something to say. <laughs> Correct. And it just didn't feel <laughs> it was it was like stilted. So I apologize. We're correcting this. This is a live read. Whitney's here. We're we're doing this together. I'm here. So Mm-hmm. And I have no copy in front of me, so we are winging it. I have bullet points. Andrew's not winging it. I have bullet I points. It's fine. Whitney. It's okay. It's where I thrive. <laughs> Let me, uh, we'll make this easy. Whitney, mm-hmm. uh, right now, mm-hmm. what would be something that you'd be interested in learning? Like uh, maybe a new skill or hobby. Do you, can you think of anything off the top of your head? Yes. Okay. Uh, Hit me with it. Plants. Plants? Like with a T? Plants? plants. Yes. 
I am interested in growing plants for food, but I also have done much better with plants for food than I have plants inside my home. So I'm kind of interested in both like indoor plants and outdoor plants for like sustenance. Interesting. So what if I told you that there was a place, a website even, where Mm -hmm. I just typed the word plants into the search bar and Mm -hmm. I was presented with 722 unique plant courses for you to take a look at. Oh, I love it. I'm talking about Skillshare. They are sponsoring this episode. Skillshare is a place that you can go to learn like anything. Whitney just said plants and Here's 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 something gardening for beginners how to mm-hmm. propagate plants. I'm scrolling down. Ooh, yeah, I want the propagation one. You could totally do that. How to propagate Yeah. 966 people have taken how to propagate plants. Because that's making more plants for free. From plants, right? Isn't that what yeah. um What is the one that does that? A leak is that is that a plant that prop is self prop? You put it in water and it can it grows a new. So it continues to grow. Yeah. So that's different from propagation. Propagation is literally picking leaves off of a plant and growing a whole new plant from those leaves. Oh, like a is that like a do succulents do that or am I am I succulents do do that? Yes, succulents are a thing that you can propagate. The a lot of house plants that are common house plants. You can propagate, but I don't know how to propagate them. I've tried before, and it's not as easy as just pulling off a leaf and then it grows a new plant. I'm telling you, if you take, it looks like if you take 27 minutes of your day, you could be, you could know more than you know now on Skillshare. I love it. If you're interested in plant milk, the basics of plant milk, for whatever reason you wanted to make your own plant milk, you could do that Mm -hmm. on Skillshare. Okay? Mm -hmm. I happen Mm -hmm. to teach a class on Skillshare. I don't, I don't, I, you know, whatever. You don't have to take that one. That's on video editing in a very specific program on a very specific platform, but it's how I make money. And that's the key with Skillshare teachers is most of the people that are teaching you things do this themselves or are passionate about Mm -hmm. themselves. And that really comes through in the lessons. We've already talked a lot about this, but it's just very exciting to me. And I think Whitney is going to be very excited when I get her a code to uh, use Skillshare and learn about. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> learn about succulents. So I got to do that. We have a 14-day free trial of Skillshare Premium for you. That means you're not charged for 14 days. You have full access to the library of Skillshare courses. So you can you can get through as many of these 722 plant courses as you want if you just sign up with our referral code. It's you just go to 12and24.com/skillshare. It'll take you there. It'll say, Andrew has invited you to join Skillshare. It's got my photo on there. So, you know, it's got the class that I'm teaching on there. If you were interested in that, you could do anything. You could learn how to make more plants from plants. Right. It's it's a plant. It's an Ouroboros of plants. Is that a, mm-hmm. no? Maybe. Sure. I mean, the plants don't eat themselves. That's probably a different course. That's like composting. No, that's not composting. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking well, I about. Was, I was thinking more like Audrey Two from Little Shop of Horrors. There you go. Exactly. Feed me, Whitney. Mm-hmm. There was a. I saw this course. I thought of you. Pet portraits. Capture studio quality photos of your pet. You're already doing this, but maybe you wanted I to am. like take it to the next level. You could do I that. I do want to take it to the next level. I would love to take it to the next level. I would love to make Buddy an Instagram star, if I'm honest. 
I'm really, truly honest about my inner feelings, all I want to do is get paid to make Buddy look cute. The hard part's over. The dog is... Is, he's delightful. He's a gorgeous dog. Let's uh-huh. let's make this happen for Whitney, everyone. Come on. <laughs> well, but it can happen if I take the Skillshare class. Yes. So I'll get you that code. Everyone else, please visit 1224.com slash Skillshare. It's the new year. People are looking to start a side hustle, learn a new hobby. Everyone has these resolutions or goals, whatever you want to call them. It's just nice to learn something new. I think I, I'm on here all the time. I get I get overwhelmed by it, but I it, it's it's a good problem to have. What do I learn mm-hmm. today? So mm-hmm. check that out. Pick up a new skill. Do all and this. Support us. <laughs> right. Support us support, in the process. Support us. Support yourself. Pick up a hobby. Learn a new thing. Help everybody. That's a win win win. This is Whitney's film to mm-hmm. to deep dive into. I think Wikipedia has a pretty serviceable rundown. Wikipedia goes through it well enough that I think we'll just use Wikipedia Perfect. to go through it. Because um, anything that I would say in addition to this, we've kind of already said. Yeah. So, so the movie starts in 1930 when Lemuel Lem Siddons, played by Fred McMurray, is a saxophonist in a traveling band who dreams of becoming a lawyer. When the band's bus reaches the small town of Hickory, Lem suddenly decides to leave the band and settle down, finding a job as a clerk in the general store owned by John Everett Hughes, played by Charlie Ruggles. And I do have to say that I immediately recognize Charlie Ruggles. The Ruggs? Uh, What's he from? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> The whole movie, I was trying to figure it out, and I did not. And I did not IMDb it, because I'm trying to work on recall. Oh, I might be able to. I mean, I could help with this if you want me to. What is it, what's, he, um, what's he known for? Oh, yeah, I, I probably know what for? he's... I, I just IMDb'd him. I can... I'll throw one out, and this might be it. Mm-hmm. The Parent Trap? Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yep. That's what I know him from. But he's been in a lot of stuff. He, he has. He's been in 156 things, according to IMDb. TV, move, TV yeah. series, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So he plays, I think, the grandpa in the original Parent Trap. That sounds right. Yeah, Charles. Anyway. He also plays Charles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's the general store owner, and he hires Fred McMurray. At the town civic meeting, which he is ordered to go to by the crazy witch, rich lady who runs the town... <laughs> Yeah. She's not crazy. She's just eccentric. eccentric. (laughs) Perfect. So at the town civic meeting, Lem again notices, because he actually stepped on her before, but he notices again Vita Downey, a bank teller who he had seen on his first day in town and eventually attempts to woo away from her boyfriend, Ralph Hastings, who's played by Elliot Reed. Lem notices Vita writing things down on the back of her, like, little handbook for the meeting and she writes YMCA and 4H and then Boy Scouts and she crosses off YMCA and she crosses off 4H and leaves Boy Scouts and he sees that and so he says we need a Boy Scout troop to keep the this whole civic meeting is about keeping the boys off the streets they're a menace there's a mob of young boys and they're running amok (laughs) roving bands of teens running Mm -hmm. They let the air out of the bandwagon's tires and stuff. Like, they do legitimately cause some havoc. 
that can only be bought with candies and other sweets. Yeah. So he sees her write Boy Scouts, and he decides to suggest Boy Scouts before she does. And then he volunteers because no one wants to be the troop leader. They're all like, yeah, Boy Scouts are great, but no one will be the troop leader. And he's like, I'll do it. I'm just a store clerk in a town I don't know anybody. I've got time. So the newly formed Troop One begins, and he is the Scoutmaster. A short time later, he becomes an all-around natural leader with the scout troop, even putting his plans to become a lawyer aside as he helps the town's boys mature into men. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the town's troublemaker boy, Edward Whitey White Jr., played by Kurt Russell, refuses to join the troop because he's too manly and likes breaking and entering and hitting things with slingshots. One night, while Lem and Vita are on their first date, they catch Whitey trying to shoplift from Hughes' store. They startle him. He falls and sprays his ankle, and then Lem bandages his, him up using the techniques provided in the Boy Scout handbook, mm-hmm. which impresses Whitey. He's like, that's a fancy trick, mister, using a bandage. And so then he's like, the Boy Scouts join. And he's like, no, not those daisy-picking Nancy boys. And But then he secretly steals the Boy Scout handbook, which Lem sees and allows because he sees his past self reflected in Whitey. So he decides to let him go scot-free for the shoplifting and steal this Boy Scout handbook on his way out. Eventually, they convince Whitey to join the troop. One night, Lem invites Whitey's father, Sean McClory, who also was very familiar, and I'm sure was in another Disney movie. He's the Irish alcoholic stereotype. Hmm. Uh, He invites Whitey's father to attend parents' night at the Boy Scouts meeting place located on lake property of Hetty Siebert, who's the old lady who has all the money. Whitey didn't invite his dad to parents' night because he knew his dad was going to embarrass him because he's a drunk. Uh, Fred McMurray invited him anyway because he wants Whitey to feel positively about his father and also about Boy Scouts. But his dad arrives drunk with melting ice cream and embarrasses the kid, causing him to quit the troop. However, his dad dies later that very night of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> it's, it's sudden. It came on quick. And immediately, Lem and Vita adopt Whitey. We've skipped the whole part where she's barren. We find that out just before this whole Whitey thing, and they adopt him. Mm-hmm. In ni- <laughs> We skip ahead quite some time, 14 years or so. To 1944, where Lem is accidentally captured by the United States Army, who are playing a war game in the area near the lake. Lem is taken for a spy due to his scouting equipment, namely his binoculars, and is unable to prove he's a scoutmaster after the military captain asks Lem to tie a sheep shank, the only knot that Lem never learned. Across the lake... This troop of Boy Scouts who had been sleeping while their Scoutmaster was kidnapped, they fire their morning cannon, which is a very cute little cannon, and maybe the most endearing thing in the movie was this tiny Boy Scout cannon. But that accidentally signals the military who are playing a war game to attack the boys. The Scouts take shelter in a staged base and successfully capture a tank with explosive squibs meant to resemble landmines what are the the umpires? What are they? The yeah, they they were called umpires. Yeah, referees, <laughs> yeah. 
I thought of them as referees, but they were called umpires, which was weird. But anyway, they're the guys who are like judging who wins and loses and what's captured and what's dead and whatever in this war game training simulation. And the guy comes out and he's like, this tank is dead. Everyone who killed this tank come out and it's all the Boy Scouts. So they capture a tank. I think we got to really hammer home the, that pretty abruptly during the sequence, it cuts to like very in a matter of very seconds. realistic war footage that is like i don't it might not be real mm-hmm. but i mean it is people firing miniguns it's all blanks and smoke there are planes dropping bags of flour that appear to be yeah. mortars <laughs> it's a <Yeah>. lot <laughs> it's a lot and these kids freak out rightfully so they're a little bit not freaked out for real children thinking they're in a war Correct. situation yeah. They take the tank. They embarrass the whole military and Lem gets freed from this war game prisoner of war camp that he's in. Back at the lake and sometime later, the troop has built a a ramshackle cabin and they find out that Ralph is taking his... Hetty, these are family members and I believe it's... Is it niece? Or not niece. Yeah, that's that's her nephew. Yeah, her... I can't remember the word she uses, her hapless nephew or some something like that. Uh, he's saying he's trying to take over the lake property since he believes it belongs to him and it's worth half a million dollars if properly developed and his aunt wants to give it away to the Boy Scouts because she likes having boys playing at the lake. Lem is hired as Hetty's lawyer is the line in the Wikipedia article. That's not really true because he's not a lawyer and I don't believe he was paid yeah, for this. Yeah, he's just a guy. He just says, I'll help you out. So he, But he does act as her representation. He questions her on the stand, revealing that the property was once the location of her family cottage before it burned down in September 1918, two days after she learned that both of her sons were killed in France. So this land is wrapped up in a lot of trauma for her where her childhood home burned down right as her sons died in war she says that she allowed the troop to meet there because the boys reminded her her of her late sons when they were playing and she liked having boys around Mm -hmm. playing ultimately she wins the case they deem her responsible for her own welfare and they allow the boy scouts to keep the property And then we jump forward again another year or so where Lem and Vita are celebrating the shopkeep owner's birthday by listening to Harry S. Truman announce the end of the war over the radio. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Whitey, who became a captain in the army, so this was Kurt Russell and is now no longer Kurt Russell, returns to Hickory to introduce Lem and Vita to his wife, Nora, who is an army nurse when he was an army doctor. Mm -hmm. Uh, five years later, and literally we jump to immediately five years later. <laughs> it's just, right, the guy whose birthday we just had. <laughs> now he's dead. And instead of leaving the store to his cat, who probably wouldn't be very good at running a store, he leaves the store to both Lem and Vita to run. But at the same time, literally while they're at the shop, reading the will, being left the shop, Lem gets tired and has to sit down suddenly. And so they call in the son doctor um, who tells him that due to his health, 
The scout committee is forcing him to retire as scoutmaster. We know you were taking the pep pills. You can't take any more speed. It's bad for your old heart. It's good advice. Then, in appreciation for his two decades of service, the entire town gives Lem a surprise celebration on October 2nd, 1950, with all of the current and former members of Troop 1 in attendance for the dedication of Hetty's property as Camp Siddons in honor of Lem. And then the movie is over. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. Whole parade. There's a full marching band there. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves it. The whole town loves this guy. Yeah. So, Whitney, uh, I think we already answered this, but uh, do you ultimately recommend this movie, first of all, just at a high level? I think no, because this doesn't bring anything new to the table. Okay. I think if you are a diehard fan of Disney and the Disney nostalgia, like me and my family are, you should watch it if you haven't, because it's very much one of those kind of movies. It's very much in the vein of the shaggy DA and the absent-minded professor and that darn cat and the one and only genuine original family band, which we will get to shortly, and all of those kind of old classic 60s and 70s Disney films. Um... If you like those, it's 100% a recommend from me. If you are not, I don't really think it's worth anyone's time because it is too convoluted as far as the timeline goes <laughs> sure. to make a good story. Yeah. So overall, no. The, the only thing I could say is that if you're into these movies that have this like strong sense of Americana... This movie mm-hmm. is that, like, to the... This movie has a very strong sense of Americana, for sure. Yeah, so if that's, like, if, if that's the, if that's your bag, then you will, you will love <laughs> this movie, no doubt about it. But as it stands, given that it's got some script problems and some time mm-hmm. jump problems, I am like, nah, I don't regret watching it, but I don't recommend it. I don't think... Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it's worth that. Mm-hmm. So, given that, Whitney, where does mm-hmm. this fit in your current Kurt Russell movie ranking? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> is I it number one? It, is it number? I do. It put it at number one. What? It's number it is one. number one on my list. I think that it was more fun to watch than Guns of Diablo. You might be shocked. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You might be shocked to real to know to realize that we. Once again, for the second episode in a row, have the mm-hmm. same number one film. <laughs> Our lists are now identical. Yes. I realize that for Keanu, for Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, our other podcast, which you should definitely check out if you haven't, we didn't start ranking them until like the sixth episode. <laughs> so that, it's true. It, it was a little bit, uh, there, all, variations appeared much earlier. But as it stands, I think we'll have to get probably five or six movies into this before we start to see kind of any deviation. That's just my, like, that's my guess. I agree. I think there's definitely, I think there's definitely a few coming up that will be at the top of the list and few that will not be at the top of the list. I think you'll see pretty similar results from the both of us uh, for the next few. I think once you get into the 70s, we'll start to to separate where we're coming from a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's nice. All right. So uh, mm-hmm. not a recommend. So, so far, no Kurt Russell movies have been recommended 
full-throatedly at least. There's been like mm-hmm. caveats, but and our lists are identical in terms of rankings. So this is nice. This is nice. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you right now that unless it does not hold up at all, which it might not, I do recommend the Computer War Tennis Shoes. That's like five episodes away. I also have not seen that movie since I, for in like 20 years, but I remember really liking it. I know that we have quite a few people following along, listeners from Cool Breeze Over the Mountains. I think specifically listener Claire said she was following along with, with, with Kurt here, and maybe she was following along with her mom even? Oh, fun. If it was not Claire, I apologize, but I just feel like it was Claire. Whoever's mom, we're glad you're listening. Hey, mom. Thanks, mom. We hope you're enjoying these films. We I, we don't mean to you sh- maybe sign up for Skillshare, mom. You know, whatever you're up to. <laughs> Too much? Not enough? <laughs> next week, <laughs> I will be walking us through our next film titled uh, Mosby's? Marauder. Mm-hmm. Whitney, have you seen Mosby's Marauder? I have not. Great. Me either. It's mm-hmm. sound. If I had to guess on title alone, I think we're in for another Western. It is just, just a Probably. guess. Probably. So I'm curious. After Mosby, we have uh, the one and only genuine original family band, which you'll be walking us through. So that's the first mm-hmm. movie that, of his that you've seen mm-hmm. thus far. And then of mm-hmm. the next, you've, you've seen a few of these. I've seen a few of them. Uh, there's some that I think that maybe I've seen, but I don't recognize the name on, name of. Um, a lot of these, the horse in the gray flannel suit, I feel like I've seen. Yeah. That sounds like a movie that I would have seen, but I don't remember the plot of it at all or anything about it. So I don't know that I've seen it. But Mm. again, I thought I hadn't seen Constantine and Lindsay was like, we saw that in the theater together. So who knows? I'll be interested once one of us actually has a perspective uh, looking back on a Mm -hmm. thing. You know what I'm saying? Right now we're both Mm -hmm. going in completely blind to these things, but I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on for instance, the one and only genuine original family band through the lens which you yes. remember seeing it too. It'll be yes that that can sometimes change an opinion. You know, I'm open. Mm-hmm. Strong mm-hmm. opinions loosely held is what I'm all about. So I can yeah, be convinced. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that does it. We did it. This this is this is a longer episode for us. We're up, we're up in mm-hmm. ninety minutes, close to ninety minutes right now. Whitney, the length the movie should have been. <laughs> Yes! Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) Whitney, (laughs) if people wanted more of your sick burns on the internet, where where would they go? You gotta be my friend if you want more of my sick burns, really. (laughs) True, Uh, true. But yeah, uh, Instagram, at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N, or Instagram, which is almost exclusively food and my dog. Uh, is Whitney Nelson with no underscore. Excellent. I mean, really, what else do you need? Let's let's get that let's get that buddy Instagram account rolling so we can start mm-hmm. racking up the followers there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Dark Driving on both. Uh, I'm doing this thing. I've decided. I have this thing where I go out. I walk at night. I like to walk 
in the evenings. Like mm-hmm. after this, I'll be going out for a walk. It's currently 930. I'll probably be going out in about a half hour. So I just go out and I walk. And I've been taking these photos at night, of just random things, and taking the same photo at a longer exposure to. And I've been really interested in this. So if you're interested in some mm-hmm. photography stuff. They've been very interesting. I definitely recommend the like exposure nighttime pictures they i've been finding them fascinating too it's the same it's it's the same exact frame just with just um, the cameras the a, a phone camera is incredible and that's i'm kind of mm-hmm. that's my experiment so i'll be doing that for a while because i like walking at night and it's great so uh yeah check me out instagram twitter at dark driving follow if you like whitney and i and you're, you're tired of waiting week to week and you're like where can we get more Go uh, subscribe to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, our Keanu Reeves podcast as well. Mm-hmm. I figure we should probably get some synergy going here for people who might not know about that. But For sure. Do for that. Sure. Some flow back and forth and forth and back. <laughs> There's like 70 plus episodes of you to check out over there. So go do that. All of our, mm-hmm. all of our stuff over there. So uh, I'm going to press this button. There it is, Whitney. There's that song. I'd like to say thank you all for joining us, and in the immortal words of Jack Burton, sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. <laughs>